Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecast Podcast Prediction Thursday episode. Going to go through, uh, got to discuss a couple of things, answer some mailbag questions, then we'll get to the prediction. This will be the last episode of the week. Gamecocks at Kentucky, 7 p.m. Eastern time uh, on uh, Saturday night, ESPN2. Uh, first and foremost, I want to thank you guys that have been leaving me the the reviews uh on apple podcast they're tremendous i appreciate every one of them uh i love constructive criticism whenever you drop that some of you have done that but uh, i had to bring this up because you know it, it's very interesting to me some of these people that that leave the bad ones um and there have been some negative ones uh over the over the course of the podcast and that's fine i'll i'll take it that you know there was one guy that I guess uh, last September said he wished I was a little more negative uh, about things. And, and that's fine. Cause you know, he's a ticket holder and you know, he's like, I just, you know, he's probably in a bad mood and wants me to be in a bad mood too. And I'm in a bad mood sometimes. I think I call it like it is, but uh, I'm not going to be unfair because I was told a long time ago not to be unfair because if you're unfair, you lose credibility. And my credibility is more important to me than blowing a gasket uh, when a gasket should not be blown. Uh, so anyway, I, I got this uh, review uh, Saturday, Georgia game day, right? And, uh, you know, you have a little name, you leave Gamecock musician. So uh, I think this lady's a flute player. Okay. Um, probably, uh, I would think. And, and she goes on, she goes, rambles, apologist, and super bad takes. I tried to listen for weeks despite the rambling, comma, the lack of content planning, quote, um, what should I talk about next? I'll try this. And the overt tendency to apologize for multiple aspects of the program, parentheses, even after Bieber was hired. The last straw was his take that Clemson would soundly beat UGA. I'm done. Don't waste your time. Well, ma'am, uh, first and foremost, look, I, me rambling is, is part of what makes it 
popular. I think that that's what I do. I just get here and go. It's kind of my monologue. Uh, I do have guests from time to time. Uh, I don't necessarily, you know, want to have a bunch of guests. I, I think, you know, you guys put in some requests sometimes I'll get some people on. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't apologize for that. I'll apologize to this lady, uh, that that did not meet her satisfaction. So the lack of content planning, I have an outline I go with all the time. Uh, sometimes if I get distracted by Twitter, I will go, um, and, and that's legit. You know, I wish I didn't do that, but I do. Okay. Oh, by the way, one star rating here. Uh, I don't know what in the hell the overt tendency to apologize for multiple aspects of the program, parentheses, even after, in all caps, Beamer was hired. What, what is the overt tendency to apologize for multiple aspects of the program, even after Beamer was hired? That doesn't make any sense at all. All right, let me just break it down how stupid this is. So an overt tendency, that's like I'm out there, I do this all the time, front and center, right? To apologize for, oh, I'm sorry for this part of the program. I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm apologizing. Oh, I'm so sorry. J.C. Sherbert. Have you guys ever heard me apologize? I may have apologized for a bad take. I may have apologized for saying, you know, that this guy was good and he ended up not being good. I owe that to my listeners and readers. But what the hell is the overt tendency to apologize for multiple aspects of the program, uh, even after Beamer was hired? So this lady, flute player, uh, that was another criticism. And then the last straw, the last straw was his take that Clemson would soundly beat UGA. (gasps) Gasp. I'm done. Don't waste your time. Gamecock musician. I find it interesting that that I get this on the Saturday of the Georgia game when this lady's last straw was that I picked, and I did, they thought Clemson would soundly beat Georgia. There's not a person that covers college football that thought Clemson's offense was going to be that bad. And most of the people, uh, you know, thought Georgia's defense was going to be pretty good, but not elite. Um, So I don't understand what – the overt tendency to apologize for multiple aspects of the program sounds like somebody's trying to sound intelligent, but it's just using, you know, big words. You don't really know what the hell you're talking about, but you're using big words. So congratulations. I'm sure your English uh, teacher is very happy. Um, And then if the last straw was that Clemson would soundly beat UGA, I made that prediction, shoot, probably September 2nd. And you're waiting until September 18th to roll in and and say super bad takes, rambles, and apologies. Look, folks, uh, I get it. There's people out there that are very, very jealous of the content that uh, me and the other people uh, that I'm associated with, Mike Morgan, JB and Goldwater, uh, thebigspur.com and my staff, 24-7 sports provide. And I get it. And I also understand I am not for everybody. And I don't, like I said, I don't mind constructive criticism, but this is a troll job that wants, you know, it's like a Yelp reviewer. It's like somebody that comes in, they don't get a free meal or something. They're pissed off about that. And so they go and they trash your restaurant because of something different, you know? Uh, And especially the fact that, you know, 16 days after I picked Clemson to be 
Georgia, this comes up. So I must have been on, on your mind um, quite a bit for 16 days for you to get up the courage to do this. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, while I always enjoy constructive criticism, I don't enjoy it from stupid people or people that have an agenda. And uh, so I, that, that's all I got to say about that. Uh, so if you're stupid and you don't understand, you know, what you're saying to me or, or what you're saying about the podcast, please refrain. Please refrain from doing it. Now, you want to come rate it two stars, say he rambles. I don't appreciate his takes. He's too positive. He's too negative. He's too demonstrative. Uh, I had some a while back during COVID, so he talks about politics too much. Fine with me. Wait at one star. Rate it no stars. I do not care. My audience speaks for itself. But 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 the the, the troll job, you know, with the intent of maybe making something else that's out there in our market look better because that's kind of where you align with, or that's who you are, you know, to me it is a punk move. And uh, so I'm sorry uh, to this lady that uh, wrote it, you know, one star, I'm pretty sure she has an agenda. And uh, I would hope that next time, ma'am, you write something like that, that you would be a little bit more coherent in what you're trying to say, because I don't know about the overt tendency to apologize for anything. I talk about football, you know, and, and other sports. So anyway, I just want to get that off my chest. Thank you guys for continuing to rate the podcast uh, because a lot of you have done a good job. My man, GC Ski, who has been Big Spur member for a long time, says everyone else is playing for second. JC has owned Gamecock football for a decade. Best of the business. I appreciate all you guys. Mitch says – not only the best in the South Carolina market, but sports podcast. And, you know, I encourage you to listen, blah, blah, blah. So, I, look, I appreciate all that. I'm not going to sit here and, you know, blow myself up positively and go, oh, oh, yeah, you know, look at all the great reviews I have. But I do appreciate each and every one of them. Uh, thank you very much. All right. Prediction Thursday is brought to you by Cindy Searfoss. Uh, the weekly Gamecock score prediction uh, is brought to you by Cindy with Colwell Banker Kane Real Estate from the hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina. If you're in the upstate, you're moving to the upstate, out of the upstate, you're moving within the upstate. Uh, Cindy's married to a diehard Gamecock fan. She's been in the upstate for over 35 years and would love to help you with any of your real estate needs. You can contact Cindy at 864-414-5271 or email her ccerfoss at cbcane.com, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at C-B-C-A-I-N-E.com for all your real estate needs up in the upstate. Please, please, please patronize her, Heritage Digital, iHelp Consulting, all those uh, that support this podcast, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, go go rate it one star and uh, (laughs) all that good stuff. Uh, So anyway, got a couple of... um, couple of uh, mailbag questions from the iHelp Consulting mailbag. I'm going to tell you about iHelp Consulting here in a second. But um, got a couple on Twitter. You can tweet to at the Big Spur Pod or inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com for the email. Uh, Craig, what's the word on Jamar Brown? Seems like the previous staff was really impressed with him. I know he was injured last year. But what have you heard this year about him? Uh, with Jamar, he moved to safety in the, in the preseason. Looked like he's Maybe the starting nickel or start at one of the starting safeties. He's still in the two deep. Hadn't played a lot. He got hurt during the preseason, too. 
And, uh, you know, he, he's got to be healthy. I think he's a very instinctive player. I think he's probably learning a little bit about playing safety right now, maybe behind some other guys. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I would think he has a bright future. But, uh, you know, he's kind of one that I'm with you, Craig. I sort of expected him to play a whole lot this year. But, you know, a lot of the other guys have, have done well. You know, you've got um, – Jalen Foster, who leads the SEC in interceptions right now, uh, hard to argue with uh, you know his performance from a ball hawking standpoint. Jalen Dickerson's finally healthy and playing. R.J. Roderick's playing. Uh, you know, so so we'll see what happens with Jamar Brown. O'Donnell Fortune got in there the other day too, and uh, I thought looked pretty good against Georgia. So so we'll see. Um, you know, position transition. He's played linebacker before. Uh, I think health is probably the big thing uh, on him. Uh, Heath tweets in. He says, hey, J.C., look like Mo Cabba flashed some against Georgia. Staley has played better this season, too. Any chance you see Cabba taking over for Staley? Right now, when you look at the 2D, like Debo Williams is behind Staley, and then Cabba is behind Brad Johnson. Now, I don't know how interchangeable that is. I, I, I thought Mo Cabba flashed as well against Georgia. And um, I think he is uh, starting to come on uh, as a player and will play more and more. And Clayton White mentioned this in the, uh, gosh, in the uh, preseason about uh, Mo Caba and Debo Williams coming on. But, I, I, you know, look, Damani Staley, he's a, he's a daggum uh, shoot, he's a, he's a legacy. Deuce Staley's kid, really excited for him to get the pick six against ECU. Thought he had some, uh, you know, a good play late against Georgia that was a little different than what he's done. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, hopefully he hangs in there. Uh, that said, is he the fastest linebacker in the SEC? No, that said, can that get you beat? Sometimes, if you got slow linebackers, yeah. Uh, but, you know, the, the, Damani is in the right spot. I think Jalen Foster is showing that in this defense, if you're in the right spot at the right time, you're going to make plays. Um, and so we'll see how it holds up. I, I do agree in concept of getting, you know, with getting Kaba on the field uh, a little bit more. Uh, and I'm looking to see if Clayton White said anything else about it. Uh, yeah, okay. Mo Caba working on football, blah, 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 come a long way, work on drills. That's it. Didn't see anything from Clayton White about what, what position they're playing. But, you know, Clayton White coaches the linebackers. I think those two inside are, are pretty interchangeable. Uh, but at the Mike position, which is where Sherrod was playing, uh, it's going to be Staley, and then on the two deep, it says Debo behind him. I don't know if you can play Mo and Brad Johnson at the same time or not. Uh, probably need to research that, but just uh, just in case. But I agree, Mo Cabo did flash, and congratulations uh, to him for getting out there and doing that. Four-star recruit out of Clinton, North Carolina. Sort of surprising when the Gamecocks uh, got him. I remember uh, the day they committed, he committed to him. We talked about that on Key's podcast as well earlier this week. Locked on the Gamecocks. All right, so uh, told you that uh, we were going to do mailbag and and all this first. I, 
you know, Missouri head coach Eli Drinkwitz keeps taking shots. You know, you're the head coach at Missouri. I'd be careful. <laughs> Jeff Halfley, uh, you know, Drinkwitz was just like, I don't know about Missouri going to play Boston College. Uh, it seems like we play a team we have a rivalry with. Uh, I looked at Missouri's future schedules. Uh, they do go to Kansas State and Kansas in the coming years and play Illinois. But, man, uh, you know, he should have known this when they took the job. They play uh, freaking uh, UMass on the road in the coming years. They play San Diego State on the road in the coming years. They go to Middle Tennessee State next year. They go to North Texas. They go to Miami of Ohio. <laughs> uh, you know, when you're playing at Mac schools and CUSA schools and all that consistently, that's an administration problem. So Halfley, who is a great coach, uh, responds and says, I heard it because 500 people sent it to me. Besides that, I probably would have never heard it. Look, I don't think he meant anything by it, and I'll give you my opinion. Uh, you guys asked me how I felt when we had to go play UMass, right? And we had to go play Temple and play Temple. Shoot, if Colgate wanted us to go play them there, I'd go play there. And if he really didn't want to come to Boston, he should have called up and asked me, and I would have gotten on a plane and flew to Missouri to play. I don't care where we play. I don't. The football season for me is about getting our team games, getting better every day, and having a great time doing it with each other. So it is what it is. Hmm. That's a pretty good response from Jeff Halfley. You know, Eli Drinkwitz and Jeff Halfley both. Pretty good first years at their respective uh, schools. Uh, so I thought that was kind of an interesting thing to uh, to mention there, non-Gamecock related. It kind of Gamecock related because Drinkwitz loves to take shots at williams Bryce Stadium, saying he, you know, he is 2-0 there right now. Five-point win where his offense was held to 202 yards. And then against the Gamecock defense, as mighty as it was last season, Gamecock shut out Missouri in the second half. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I'd be overly – Fired up uh, if I were him and talk smack, but he he's kind of a guy that I don't want to compare him to Steve Spurrier because he's not Steve Spurrier, but he's got kind of a twangy sort of uh, funniness, I would guess. So anyway, Eli Drinkwitz, ladies and gentlemen, Missouri's head coach, plays Boston College this week. Boston College, I think, is going to beat them down pretty good. That's just me. So anyway, uh. All right, so done with mailbag. Now that we're done with mailbag, I want to tell you about iHelp Consulting, the proud sponsor of our mailbag. I've told you about Daniel Owens, and he can help you save business money, money for your business, credit card processing, insurance, telecom, et cetera, without sacrificing quality. You also may be wondering how it works. It's very simple. You call or text Daniel, 843-372-5713. Set up a quick phone call or face-to-face meeting. Daniel will examine where there may be savings and let you know if you're paying junk fees or if your rates are too high. You may be wondering how iHelp gets paid or saying, hey, a consultant will charge me more than they're worth. You may be thinking iHelp might save $3,000 but charge you four. It's not how iHelp does business. You only pay a percentage of your first year savings. Not only that, if they can't save you any money, you don't owe them a dime. Right now, iHelp is running a half-off promotion because they're in such a good mood. Gamecock football is back. Two and one, hopefully three and one by the end of the week. Tell Daniel you heard about it right here on the podcast. You receive that half off promotion. So uh, that's great. You know, you get half off. They're cut. So you're saving even more money. So call or text Daniel right now. 843-372-5713. iHelpConsulting.com. 
Give him a shot. Tell him you heard about it right here on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. All right. So only I help consulting mailbag. I'll tell you that right now. I, this is this is the last, you know, kind of recording this early on Thursday. If if I don't get to your questions, because there's no wrap up show because I'm going to Columbia, so no like Friday like we've been doing. Um, if your questions are about Kentucky or Georgia or you know something that you know where I preview the Kentucky game, uh, hold those. Okay, hold those uh, or understand I'm not gonna, I'm probably not going to answer because it's not going to make any sense because the next episode is going to be Monday or Tuesday. Um, so hold those. Uh, questions all obviously after the Kentucky game. Uh, I welcome those. We'll probably have a big mailbag segment. So again, inside the game at gmail.com or tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Please follow the Big Spur Pod. Um, at the Bigsburg Pod on Twitter and also inside the Gamecocks on Instagram. Those are our social media channels uh, for the podcast here, the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. So uh, good news from JB and Goldwater, by the way. Uh, less than a 1,000 tickets as of Wednesday afternoon were available for the game this weekend. So I mentioned on the last episode, a sellout may not happen, but it uh, you know looks pretty good for a sellout. Of course, remember capacity now 77,000 some change. They took some seating out when they they redid the stadium, but certainly that's going to be very very loud and that's going to really help the the, you know, impression you make on recruits. It's going to help the team. Uh hopefully it helps them play well. And uh so with that, again, Thanks to Cindy Sirfoss for sponsoring the prediction segment. It's time for the prediction segment. All right, so I mentioned, you know, South Carolina, this is going to be a key for this game and every game from here on out, most likely. I'm, I'm going to say run the ball. South Carolina's got to run the ball. There's uh, no question about it. Uh, I said last week they needed to be kind of stubborn with the run game. They were. Uh, at the end, you know, you kind of looked at the stats and they – you know, scratched out 94 yards on the ground, which believe me, folks, I've seen worse. <laughs> I've seen worse uh, rushing stat totals for the Gamecocks over the years. But, you know, they, they got to get the offensive line and, and stuff fixed, and they got to get Kevin Harris and Marshawn Lloyd going. Marcus Satterfield said today they want to go with the hot hand and just go that they can't divide four of them up. Uh, you know, I have a lot of – I agree with him on this. But, you know, look, if Kevin Harris is still rusty with it because of his back and having to sit out, you know, maybe he needs to kind of sit and, and chill and, and get better to where he's back to Kevin Harris. I don't know that that's the case or not because he had that room to run. Um, I think Marshawn Lloyd's clearly close to breaking a long one. You know, just this close. But, again, he hadn't had room. Those two guys have averaged three yards a carry this year through three games. That has to change. Uh, and it had not been for a 63-yarder by Zaquandre White in the opener. And had it not been for the really good uh, fourth quarter Juju McDowell had at East Carolina, you know, those guys would be similar. Running game has not gone far. You know, you can you – can, Talk about explosive plays all you want, and I know you need them in the passing game and the running game. But you got to run the ball in the SEC. You got to at least be respectable, you know. And this offense has a lot of 
influence from Joe Brady and the Carolina Panthers. And, you know, that LSU run game that year was not like the L- that they won at all in 2019. It was not wasn't a whole lot like the run games we have seen from LSU <laughs> in history where they've got really good backs and all that. But it, it was enough. And, and the little running back they had was really good. So you have to run the football. South Carolina is built to run the football. Now, how will Luke Doty affect that ability? Hopefully a lot. You know, I, I think we're going to find out as the season goes on, like what type of runner is Luke Doty? Now, is he a guy – because he's fast. Is he an elite runner of the football from the quarterback position? I haven't seen it. Uh, and they need him to be at least good, hopefully great, possibly elite running the ball. And I haven't seen that out of him so far, but you know, it's early. He just, just got in the game last week and I'm not holding last year up as anything, but a developmental time for Luke Doty. So, you know, how will that help the run game? How, how is it, you know, are they going to get the ball in Jaheim Bell's hand from scrimmage? You know, are they going to keep trying to force the issue on the wildcat, which they didn't do the other night? You know, what, what's the deal, you know, is the zone read going to come out? Uh, and with Luke's ability to run the ball, is that going to help? Because they're going to have to respect when Luke pulls it. And will that open things up more? You know, a lot of questions. I, I think the number one thing beyond all those things is that um, they have to get on the same page blocking-wise. There's no excuse. There's no excuse. Uh, and, and like I said in, in earlier episodes, you either – work with them and they get it or you simplify and they get it and it's all good. Or you play other people, play play somebody else that can, if there, if that exists. Now, if that doesn't exist on your roster at all, then you need to simplify because, you know, quite frankly, that, that would scream to me that, you know, it's a little too complex. I mean, you know, these guys that play on the offensive line too, man, they're not dummies. You know, Eric Douglas, certainly a smart guy uh, had no problem calling the protection last year, had a great year, you know, and, and unfortunately because of the scheme change, you know, a lot of these guys that were poised to, you know, take another step forward. So you have a big cohesive offensive line. That's good. You know, that's limited them the first three games. And I hope Marcus Satterfield's right. That it's just a matter of learning it uh, because that's, that's fixable. Mental errors are fixable. You know, if they were just getting blown off the ball, that's different. If it's if it is too complicated and ridiculous, then then that's also different. That's also different. You know, so you know, got to run the football. That's a key. Got to limit Chris Rodriguez. Ten point two yards per carry against South Carolina the last two years. I said I wasn't going to consider last year anything but a scrimmage, but the bottom line is he went right through the Gamecocks defense, and he went right through Missouri earlier this season. Um, I think you got to put pressure on Levis when he throws. Uh, I think you got to keep him from running the football because uh, he can he can tuck it and go. You know he's athletic enough to where he can get some some yardage that way, and obviously has a rocket arm. You got to shut down Wondell Robinson. Gamecocks cannot give up a twenty three yard touchdown run, a forty three yard touchdown pass, the thirty eight yard touchdown pass in the first half. If that happens, uh, going to be a long night. Uh, I don't think Kentucky's as good on defense as they've been. I think they've got a good defense. 
I think they're always going to play solid defense uh, with Mark Stoops as the coach there. I think they've got some good players, uh, good linemen, good linebackers, uh, good D-backs. But, uh, you know, I I don't know that there's some – you know, there's been years where Kentucky's not just good, they're elite defensively, uh, top three in the SEC or something like that. I don't think that's the case this season. This is their first road game. You don't know how the quarterback and everybody are going to react in the environment. Obviously, it's going to be a sellout. Got to got to make sure Wandell Robinson isn't running past your defense open like Georgia did. You know, obviously, more explosive plays. I mean, look, they've had five explosive plays the last two games. One was when the game was over, as Quandre White was running, I think, sixteen yard run, and the other four bore by Juju McDowell against East Carolina. So, you know, Satterfield said he was. It was eating at him that he didn't get McDowell the ball last week, and maybe it should. I'll leave it at that. Uh, get Josh Van the ball. Josh Van, number two in yards per catch in the SEC. Uh, number one in yards per catch with, with guys with more than 10. Jacob Copeland with, at Florida's number one, but he only has seven receptions. Uh, so continue to feed him in the passing game. I, You know, I, I thought Luke under duress a lot of times threw it well. Uh, and I think the key for him this week is going to be to build on that and uh, get things going. South Carolina can make things happen on special teams. Uh, that didn't really happen Saturday in Georgia, but uh, last Saturday in Georgia. But uh, I, I think the Gamecocks do have, you know, a, a desire to go play special teams well, whether that's return or block or whatever. Uh, and the Gamecocks will be aggressive in that uh, in that area. Okay, bottom line as we move forward here, Prediction Thursday. South Carolina should not live in fear of Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky, you know, a lot of the fans on the message board or whatever like what they see. Obviously, there's a lot of attention, outsized attention by certain fans. Uh, You know, not everybody, but some of them, a quarterback, and I think, probably because of Clemson's success with Trevor Lawrence and, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson. And I know that most of you, that that's the other team that you watch. You know, if you watch two teams, you're pulling against Clemson and pulling for Carolina. I, I think this fan base has gotten in this rut where any kind of quarterback with a big, strong arm uh, that can chunk it way down the field and complete long passes – all of a sudden, those teams go to elite in the minds of some people. Now, is Kentucky elite? I don't think so. Could they? We walk out of the stadium Saturday night and they they win big, and you go, yeah, they probably are. But it takes more than chunking it deep to win football games. South Carolina chucked it deep against Georgia pretty well, man, forty to thirteen. Um, and I think there's been outsized attention paid for that. Well, let's look at the facts. They blew away a bad Louisiana Monroe team. They had a one-touchdown win against Missouri that was kind of a track meet. Well, guess what? There's been track meets before between Missouri and Kentucky in Lexington, way before this quarterback got there, before they had Robinson, whatever. And Missouri went up and down the field 400 yards on them. Uh, Bezalak threw for 300. Uh, they kind of – had to throw it out in the flat a little bit in the backs because, uh, you know, Beatty was a little bit bottled up. But, but you know, then Chattanooga goes in there and uh, 
28-23 ballgame against an FCS football team where Aleem Ford runs through them. I, I think the folks that believe Kentucky's uh, kind of quick strike offense, part of their offense is good or better this year, I think they're right. I think it's one aspect of the ballgame. Um, I think that uh, those people that say Rich Rod- or Chris Rodriguez is a really good back, they're right. They have a good offensive line. They're right. Uh, is Kentucky's defense as good as it's been? No. Are they even close to Georgia? I don't know. I'm trying to think of what Georgia's going to do to Missouri or what Georgia would have done to Chattanooga or, you know, Louisiana Monroe. And I'm just not – I'm not convinced Kentucky's as good on defense as they have been. Uh, and so that's a good thing because you're supposed to take your defense on the road, South Carolina maybe – can move the ball a little better. Obviously, you got to clean up the, the the stuff. And then, you know, I think the strength of the Gamecocks defense obviously is pass rush. So find out a find a way to keep them in third and more than six where they have to throw, and then come after the quarterback. You know, pray your secondary holds up. Uh, and I think he'll turn over the ball, and the Gamecocks could have a nice win. Um. And, and, and that's why nobody should live in fear of Kentucky because even though they've beaten the Gamecocks, you know, six out of eight, uh, and, th- and again, throw last year, I mean, that game, uh, and, and I get mad because people are like, you know, people have used that stupid game to prejudge Luke Doty for a whole offseason, um, to prejudge the Gamecocks for a whole offseason, to judge all the personnel for a whole offseason. And number one, Doty was in a terrible position in that game. Number two, if you're judging the defensive personnel, half these guys didn't even play by the time that game rolled around. Number three, if you remember, Shane Beamer was the, – the news broke. He was hired that night. Late December game during a COVID season, that was that. And, you know, Carolina going to that game wasn't stopping anybody. They're so bad at – they were so bad at linebacker, literally – I had people before the game saying, you know, we may have a chance, but we're so bad at linebacker, you know, because they – I think I think Cabba may have played but not been ready. Daryl Ware is a walk-on true freshman. Congratulations to him, by the way, for earning a scholarship. He's definitely earned it. They like his speed, and uh, I think he's a really good player, actually. Uh, you know, you just had nobody because uh, of the injuries or, or whatnot. You know, that was a completely gutted South Carolina football team. Uh, I'll put it this way. Kentucky went into the game, scored 41 points, went up and down the field on the Gamecocks, and I think they went and won their bowl game. I think they played in – who did they play? I don't know who they played in the bowl. Um, Kentucky goes and wins their bowl game, right? Uh, and then uh, Mark Rick still – or sorry, Mark Stoop still fires uh, Eddie Grant. <laughs> so So – Stoops, who who knows a lot of football, you know, Stoops, uh, I mean, you know, he, he he probably realized that going up and down the field on that Gamecock team w- was really not, you know, all that amazing. Because <laughs> he still went and hired Liam Cohen from the Rams uh, to fix everything and all that happiness. So, um, I uh, – yeah, so, so, so that, that's that's the point about last year. You know, last year was a different year. Now, 
what if Kentucky beats the Gamecocks 41-18 this weekend? Well, then I'll give them all the credit in the world. You know, I'll say, man, it's pretty impressive to do, you know. And they've, you know, they've, they beat NC State in the Gator Bowl at the end of last year, 23-21. Um, they did have some games on the road. They didn't do so well last year. This last year. They were kind of gutted, too. So, you know, I, 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 I think that a lot of people, because of the recent history of the series, that they kind of overlook some things. Overlook the fact that Gamecocks won last time – Kentucky came to town 24 to 7. Of course, you know, that was an impressive win. Uh, everybody talks about the fact Lynn Bowden wasn't the quarterback yet. Then once they got the quarterback, they were good and they had to beat in the game Cox and I. You know, they forget about the fact you know, Feaster and Dowdle went over 100 yards rushing each. Uh, I think Mon Denson added about 50. They ran up and down the field on Kentucky's defense. Uh, I think people, you know, even if you want to talk about last year, which this will be the last thing I'll say about last year. Uh, Kevin Harris ran for 200-plus. The Gamecocks had 297 rushing yards at Kroger Field last year. And so, again, you know, where, where is this defensive juggernaut that uh, we think Kentucky has uh, coming from? You know, I think they're good. I think you know, there's a chance they come in and stop Carolina. But then there's also a chance they don't. And um, – I don't. I don't know that they've been overly super duper impressive uh, since uh, you know uh, this year so far on that side of the ball. So there you go. There, there, there we have it. That's that's kind of the setup for the game. I uh, I think that there's a lot you know of key player. I mean, there's several key players you have to stop uh, first and foremost. And then I think if you're the Gamecocks offense, you got to get the run game going and get it together and. You know, hope Luke hangs in there and plays well at home. God forbid if Luke goes down. I don't know if Zeb Nolan practiced today, so maybe he's better, but that's not going to be good. But, um, you know, I, and I think South Carolina coming home, uh, you know, teams tend to play better at home. You know, that's the thing. And, and so I, I think that there's a lot of anxiety on the part of the fan base right now just based on it being Kentucky, based on what's happened in the past where you get up for a big game and then you get the rug pulled out from under you. Well, this is a chance to kind of exercise some of those demons, I think, uh, for this program in general. And like I said, you know, I've said it for the whole offseason, you know, number one priority for the Gamecocks, you know, there's going to come a day where they can get on the field with Georgia and compete again, probably pretty soon. There's going to come a day where, you know, they're going to be able to go into the swamp and beat Florida. There's going to come a day where, you know, they can hang with the LSUs of the world again. Uh, But order of business number one is reversing the trend with your peers within the division, which right now are Kentucky, Tennessee, and Missouri. You got to reverse that. This series was 13 of 14 at one point. Gamecocks. Now, and, and, and honestly, guys, you know, you, you look back when it was 13 of 14, it, it wasn't a situation where Kentucky uh, was this awful sort of uh, program the whole time. They, they weren't. If you remember, it was, um, it was uh, uh, Rich Brooks 
and those guys, you know, there for a while, you know, you get back to, to 2008, they were a bowl team, BDS Carolina, the Liberty Bowl. You go back to 09. I think Brooks was maybe Brooks last year was maybe 09. The Joker took over. 09, Music City Bowl team. They actually beat Georgia that year. Uh, lost to Tennessee like they normally do. Uh, lost to Clemson in the Gaylord Hotels Music City Bowl. But they were a bowl team that year. I mean, you know, they, that the 2010 team that upset the Gamecocks, which was sort of the beginning of all this mess, they, they kind of got on a, a roll there for a while and um, ended up going to a bowl game. Uh, playing Pitt in the Birmingham Bowl. So, so I mean, it, it wasn't like every single year Kentucky is sitting there at 2-10. and 10. Now, there were some bad Kentucky teams that the Gamecocks beat, don't get me wrong, during that whole stretch. But that was sort of when Rich Brooks, you know, I, I guess, uh, you know, Guy Morris was one of those team years. They were on probation. Uh, I know Lou beat Hal Mummy's last team, but – you know, it was Rich Brooks years, 06, 07, 08, you know, 07, they were a top 10 team. You know, South Carolina, uh, you know, I guess what, five straight bowl games, and the Gamecocks won all but the last one well, when Kentucky went to five straight bowls. So, you know, and they're doing kind of the exact same thing. Now they did have the Citrus Bowl team that won 10, uh, and they have reversed the series against the Gamecocks, but, you know, Gamecocks were dominating the series when Kentucky was not all that bad every single year, is my point. So there's no reason to live in fear of Kentucky or Missouri or Tennessee or Vandy or probably even Florida. You know, some years Georgia. This year, probably live in fear of Georgia. <laughs> uh, you know, and you look to the West, Texas A&M, really good team uh, this year and, and, and all that. Uh, who knows? And who knows what will happen? Auburn's coming in. They look pretty good. But, you know, th- th- there's no really no reason for the Gamecocks to, to to live in fear, you know, as we're talking about this Kentucky game. Uh, it's been a, a good run for them, six out of eight against Carolina. Uh, but the last time they won in Columbia was four, four, cal- you know, four years ago, when you're talking about calendar years. Some of those guys probably still aren't on the, aren't on the team. Hadn't been to Columbia before or an experience to win. So then they know what happened last time they were there. That was also the last time. Well, actually, it was the – actually, they played in the fifth game of the season, not the fourth, on the 28th of September 2019. So how is it going to go? I am going to say and, – and look, I I told you I was probably going to pick the Gamecocks. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hope that uh, – Everything gets corrected with the blocking. I'm going to hope that at home they're able to run the football. I'm going to hope that at home they're going to be able to play really good defense and special teams. I'm going to hope the crowd's a big difference. I do not think that talent-wise Kentucky is more talented than South Carolina. I do not think Kentucky has more potential playmakers across the board than South Carolina. I do not think Kentucky has a particularly good defense like they have in years past coming into the game. Uh, you know, I, 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 I don't buy the, the, the let's bomb it down the field Tecmo Bowl hype um, on their quarterback uh, yet. I, you know, I think he's got a chance and some tools. 
But, you know, so far, you know, it looks like, he, you know, he kind of turns it over when you pressure him. You got to keep him from running. He's got a strong arm. But that's not revolutionary, folks. <laughs> uh, and so I, I'm going to say Gamecocks get it again. And I'm going to say it's a close game, uh, competitive football game. There's going to be some anxious moments. Uh, and I'm going to say South Carolina 23 and Kentucky 20. And the Gamecocks start a little streak of their own uh, as far as a winning streak against the Wildcats at williams Bryce, because that will be two in a row. Uh, you know, I, I've said this many times after the 2017 loss, which was stunning, stunning. Uh, you know, because you look at it to that point. Okay, so you got the loss in Lexington in 2014 where you're dominating and blew a lead. You had the loss in 2015 to where if Spurrier had played Perry Orth that old game, that game's probably different. Gamecocks got in a hold and came back and lost, okay? 2016, Carolina had absolutely no offense. They lost 17-10 to 10 in Lexington. It's frustrating. So you get in 2017, right? The Gamecocks have beaten – uh, a good NC State team to open the season. They've gone on the road to Missouri and won 31-13. It's the home opener. The place is packed. The towels are going wild. You know, first play of the game, touchdown. Second play of the game, interception. And then a lot of missed kicks and things like that, and Kentucky took control of the game. I don't think they're going to be able to do that on Saturday if the Gamecocks get off to a really good start. I think this team, unlike the 2017 team, is uh, – a little bit more, you know, self-motivated, I guess. You even notice at the end of the Georgia game, they're flying around hitting people. I, I don't think you're going to see a team that starts to rest on its laurels once they get counterpunched, so to speak. Uh, and I think it'll be a good football game. I'm going to say Carolina cleans a lot up on offense. I think Carolina limits, not completely shuts out, but limits them on defense. And South Carolina wins the game 23-20, winning their second game in a row against Mark Stoops, the Kentucky Wildcats at williams Bryce Stadium in Columbia. All right, special thanks to Cindy Searfoss for sponsoring uh, Prediction Thursday. Oh, by the way, Kentucky's next three games, Florida at Lexington, LSU in Lexington, and at Georgia. So this is one, if they can get through, you know, they, they've got three huge ones coming up. But um, – and some some of the Kentucky writers have talked about that. I, I you know, maybe maybe you catch them looking ahead to the Gators. You know, they don't, they're not. Uh, you know, they, I'm sure that they have a bullseye <laughs> on the Gators uh, after losing last year, 34-10, down there in um, Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, and some of the heartbreak they've suffered in that series. I don't know. I, I tend to not think so. Uh, if if the Gamecocks don't have their attention, they'll. They'll get it pretty quick once the once the crowd gets going on uh, Saturday night in Columbia, South Carolina. All right, folks, enjoy yammering at you this week. Uh, please, uh, if you find it in your heart to leave an honest review on Apple, I don't care if you rate me one star or five stars, go ahead and do it. Just uh, make sure you're not uh, just talking at your butt and like uh, – our friend the flute player was doing earlier today, but I really appreciate you guys again, all mailbag questions, uh, save those until after the Kentucky game and I'll get to them. Or if you have like a general question about personnel or something, I'll, I'll definitely answer that one. Uh, when, uh, 
restart the podcast next week. Wish me luck moving or going down to Columbia. And uh, can't wait uh, to get down there and be around my people. That's always uh, amazing. So for J.C. Sherbert, this is J.C. Sherbert. <laughs> Signing off, prediction Thursday episode. Once again, the prediction. South Carolina 23, Kentucky 20. Hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Holla at you next week.